Welcome back to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes supporter, John Steppy, and I am excited to welcome back my friend, Tom Kakert of HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, thanks for joining me. John, it's always good to be on with you and uh, all the all the folks who uh, are with the Gazette. Love, love you guys. So uh, great to be on. Thank you. Well, you know, time this pretty well with you know, we're recording this a couple hours after a little bit of recruiting news with Derek Wieskopf committing to the Hawkeyes from Williamsburg, really athletic guy. So let's start off with that. You know, that's another good get for the 2024 class. Yeah, it is. Um, and and I was doing, uh, doing really well in the 2024 class, and we can talk about that in a minute. But Derek's uh, um, from Williamsburg, that's, that's kind of Hawkeye country there. Um, you know, you think about, uh, like Austin Blythe, somebody like that, all from that area, six, three, 205 pound, uh, linebacker, uh, is going to Drake relays next week with a six, six, nine, uh, uh, high jump, which is pretty freaking good, you know, considering Just, uh, he's six, three in yeah. height. To be yeah. able to jump six nine. Six nine is that's pretty bouncy. He's a good athlete too. Um as a sophomore at uh, Williamsburg, uh had 80 tackles, three interceptions on defense, 23 catches for 372 yards and five touchdowns on offense. Also uh real good basketball player, plays for the Martin Brothers AAU team, uh, and is average averaged uh for his high school team 15.3 points, 6.6 rebounds. And uh, as we mentioned, currently number one in the state with a six foot nine high jump. So, uh, yeah, he's a man for all seasons. So uh, good get. He had already piled up offers from Iowa State, Wisconsin and Nebraska, too. So Probably Iowa's three biggest rivals. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, he, you know, Minnesota, you could throw Minnesota in there, too. But mm-hmm. in that conversation. But, yeah, um, that's a great you know, the, the, so you're not just getting a kid who just Iowa threw an offer to, um, everybody else wanted him and they thought they had a shot at him. So now Iowa has, uh, their third commitment in the 2024 class and all three are in-state kids, Cody Fox, offensive lineman, Cam Buffington, uh, also uh, linebacker. So they've, uh, they're doing well out of the gate in that class. Because those are the top three recruits in the state of Iowa, right? Yeah, I would think they're going to end up being the top three players in state uh, this year. And, you know, that's not too bad considering that you have a lot of schools that seem to be coming into Iowa to recruit. Granted, when you have a kid like Xavier Wampa in the 2022 class, yeah, that doesn't happen every year. And then Caden Proctor in 2023. This isn't... I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think either of any of these three players are coming in with the hype of Wampa or Proctor by a wide margin. But Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. Cody Fox is is uh, a four-star kid initially for rivals. And, and by the way, uh, now with that three commits, Iowa is number four in the country in the class of 2024 right now. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's a little early, obviously, but you know, don't hang up the recruiting banner too early. Do not run that banner yet. But um, even in the 2023 class, 
And they picked up recently John Nestor commitment. Uh, so they're up to seven for the 2023 class. And, and uh, uh, Rivals has that team ranking of 15. Now, that's going to fluctuate a little bit. But, um, you know, they're they're off to a, a really solid start. I think the next couple of months, obviously, are going to be huge for the uh, 2023 class. And the interesting thing, too, is I think if I was counting right, it's five different states that those seven prospects have come from. Yeah, you got Iowa, New Jersey, Colorado, uh, Indiana, and uh, Illinois. So uh, they, they've spread out. Um, you know, uh, Lanez, they've got their quarterback, who's from Princeton, New Jersey, works with Tony Rassiope. Uh, Same so- guy Petrus works with. Same guy that Petrus, Nate Stanley works with him too. So uh, they've got him. They've got, uh, you know, their offensive lineman with Leighton Jones at the safety prospect and Nestor. They've got the defensive end and Brackney. Uh, ben Keeter's maybe the best player. I, I, I think he's the best. Next to, next to uh, Proctor, he's probably the second best player, I think, in the state of Iowa uh, for the 2023 class. And in well, probably uh, most years would be number one if it wasn't for a guy like Proctor. Yeah. And, you know, Keeter's going to try and pull off the, the rare double. You know, we're seeing Brody Breck try to pull off the football baseball. Keeter's going to try and pull off the wrestling football double, which will be something if he can do that. Credit to him if he can pull that one off. That, you know, baseball and football, it's hard enough for Brecht and – those seasons don't have much overlap aside from obviously the spring, you know, practice season, but you know, it's exhibitions for one team when the other team is in full games. Yeah. Wrestling is they have a little bit more overlap there. Yeah. It's, and it's going to be, you know, a challenge. One thing you won't have to worry about though is, is probably weight control because he'll have, he'll be wrestling heavyweight. I would imagine, uh, at, uh, at Iowa, so he's not going to have to get under, you know, 197 or something. Uh, so that'll be good for him. So uh, I, I suspect he's going to do do real well. He's an animal. I mean, he's he's really good. If you get to see him on film, he's he jumped off the off the screen. So, and you know, that's another example of keeping, you know, not to borrow a certain coach from another school's kind of phrase here, but kind of building the fence around Iowa a little bit. Um, yeah. There, you know, keeping people close to Iowa City in Iowa City. It's where it all starts, really. Um, and, and, you know, this this 2023 class is going to be interesting. We were talking about this before we, we started recording, but because there are some battles that are going to take place between, somewhat between Iowa and Iowa State, but Iowa and other schools too, but uh, with Kai Black from Urbandale, you know, I think he's down to Iowa, Iowa State. Um, uh, you know, Proctor, we'll talk about him. He's kind of the special, different case. But um, you know, you can go down our list here. Cooper Ebel, who Iowa just offered this past weekend uh, from Hartley, Iowa. Asa Newsome, a linebacker from uh, Waverly. He might have be Iowa, Iowa State more, you know, his brother's at Nebraska. So we got that involved in there. Jameson Patton's a really good one out of Des Moines. It's probably Iowa, Iowa State for him. Uh, so there's, 
so going to be some good Iowa, Iowa State battles here in recruiting uh, for uh, this cycle. And we haven't really had a ton of those uh, in the past few years. Now, Proctor is going to be just a different animal. I mean, he's, that's the all of the above recruiting battle. That's the that's the one where you wonder, um, you know, uh, Rivals has him 12th nationally, uh, number one at his position. So, um, and I have, full disclosure, I have him listed as um, my fearless forecast for Iowa, and I put that in in December uh, for the five-star offensive tackle teammate of uh, Xavier Wampa, who's already at Iowa. But, um, you know, right now, these collectives and the NIL stuff, you can bet that uh, Oregon and Ohio State and Bama and uh, places like that are all going to be kind of gunning to get him uh, on campus and get him an NIL deal. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, what happens with uh, with Caden. I, I still think I was in good position, but boy, it's uh, it's going to be a dogfight, though. And it sounds like Iowa donors are in the process of forming a collective is what we've been hearing so far. So we'll see how quickly that can come together and can that match the might that Oregon has, for example, with all that Nike money. Here's here's the thing that I come back to with it. uh, And we were talking about this on, on our podcast the other day is that I think advantage going in right now to the schools who have maybe been playing a little fast and loose with, uh, with some things in recruiting over the years, if you know what I mean. Um, You know, they, cause, because they have kind of an infrastructure that's set up, they they're kind of comfortable with this. Uh, You know, I put up a poll on our website if people would contribute to it and it's just kind of foreign for Iowa fans because they're just not, they don't, play in that sandbox they're they're not part of that culture so it's it's foreign for Iowa fans to have to deal with maybe while we're essentially paying players you know it's what we're doing yeah if you would have done the same things two years ago that they're doing now the NCAA would have been camped out in College Station and and Tuscaloosa and Athens and you know all the other places where they've got all these uh, collectors and everybody's very slowly based on the rate that the fbi investigation yeah of course it's slowly but they would (laughs) still everybody the alarm bells would be going off all over the country now it's legal it's fair game so you know you saw and football and recruiting and all this stuff is a copycat business it just is so um, you know, at once upon a time, it was an arms race to get bigger facilities. And, you know, we're in the, the, the Iowa complex all the time during football season. And you've seen how that has kind of changed over the years uh, and, and what an important part of recruiting that is. Now that arms race is, race is over. It's, you know, nobody's going to care about those things. It, the question these kids have is, what's your NIL? How's do you have does your school have a collective? And I, I was not going to be able to compete with Texas AM. Uh, it's got you know eight to ten million dollars, or LSU is going to have a huge thing, or Bama or whoever. 
they're going to be able to compete with that. Um, but what they're going to have to do is just be selective. And um, but you know, you want to get a Caden Proctor, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to get him a, a decent NIL deal because if you don't, somebody else will, and that might be a deciding factor for a kid like that. Um, not saying that he's motivated by that. I don't know. Uh, I don't think he is, but, um, you know, there's, if you put enough not, zeros at the yeah. end of that number, I Everybody think has almost a anybody they, they, would at they, least give some good consideration to it. John, for all your pro wrestling fans out there, if, <laughs> uh, if you watch Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, he would always say, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. So, <laughs> you know, there's always a check that can be written that can get you, that can get you. So there's my Ted DiBiase for the day. <laughs> well, can check that off the Hawk off the press bingo card. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, I should start making those, I think, ahead of the episodes. Yeah, there we go. But, you know, it's interesting because Iowa, with its performance in later, more recent years, you would think under traditional recruiting should be in those conversations with recruits. And I think Tyler Casper is a great example of somebody that very high up there in terms of very highly touted recruit. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're going up against the powers that be at say Oregon, where he committed or even Tennessee that seemed to really have a good shot Ten- there. Tennessee's got a quarterback commit that that's got a deal that could net him $8 million over his playing career. You know, that goes a long ways. Yeah. I mean, that just, you're just, you're seeing what, what's out there and not that the Caspers need money or anything, but it's just, it's part of your value as an athlete. And um, the genie is not going in back into the bottle. It's just no. not, it's, it's going to be like this moving forward. It's going to evolve and it's going to change. And Iowa is in the process that I, I talked to some people and they're in the process of getting this thing up and running. They're trying to hire somebody to be a director. Um, I think they've got a good couple of candidates and, uh, you know, identified for that. And, and, um, and then they want to raise, you know, a couple million bucks maybe and start with football and basketball, men's women's, hopefully wrestling too. Uh, we'll see. But um, uh, I, I think there's a market for it. And um, I think Iowa fans are just going to have to get comfortable with if you want success in recruiting, you're going to have to start ponying up with the collective. Yeah. You know, it's as you said, the genie's not going back in the bottle here. Tube is out of the, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Yeah. And I think, if anything, it's been a little slower in the Big Ten as opposed to say the SEC or, you know, the couple other, you know, the big schools and some of the other conferences that have a lot of football money, like say in Oregon. So I think that certainly has, you know, it's a little slower here than it is in other places, but regardless, it's still coming. It's still coming. You look at how many other big 10 schools already have collectives. Yeah. And, and they're all trying to time. I mean, you know, I think when we talked to Kirk about it and he, he was basically, you know, um, like 
uh, ideally, and Nick Saban's talked about this, ideally just give all the kids a cer all certain amount of money. And like, that's just not how it works. You know, there are some recruits no. that are more important than others. There's a star. Some and some who are more marketable. You know, a quarterback in the door. Yeah, the quarterback is going to command, you know, more money than, um, you know, the uh, uh, third string linebacker just yeah. is. You know? I would have used the example of the offensive lineman, but that's not really the case at Iowa. No, so. there's, you know, that not this year, at least with the 2023 with, uh, with Proctor. Yeah. In that case, yeah. He's, uh, he's somebody who's going to have to get a bigger check. And, you know, there are other, um, you know, I think what's happened was I think most people thought that it would be just kind of like what we've seen to this point, which is, you know, some of the businesses wanting to partner with athletes, athletes seeking out businesses like Caitlin Clark with Hy-Vee uh, as an example. Um, and I, I think that was probably one of the great ideas coming out uh, initially, but you knew that, um, you know, these boosters were not going to sit idly by. No. And they've just decided they can get more bang for the buck by pooling their money um, you know, I, I saw a story about Indiana and obviously a basketball school, but that they expect to have like um, over a million dollars in their collective. And it's primarily focused on basketball. And they were going to, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, who's an all Big Ten player and Race Thompson, who's coming back for an extra year, his COVID year, um, are both going to get um, NIL deals in the six figures. So, you know, that's just how it's going to be. And, you know, the one kind of, there are probably some people listening to this who are a little bummed about this because yeah. I was not in the best position, but you know, if there is a perk of this is for, at least for Iowa fans is for women's basketball, you would think that this maybe gives a little bit more incentive for someone like Caitlin Clark to mm -hmm. stick around. Because you look at the money that an NIL collective, once that's set up, can bring. The value, even just the standard NIL deals that people are used to, whether that's high V, whether that's her T-shirts that I seem to see, like, everywhere, <laughs> like... That brings in a lot of money there. And you look at what, you know, an NBA or WNBA rookie contract is, you know, the, the well, NIL at, numbers like, sound pretty good. Well, look at like um, today, Oscar Shibway, the national player of the year in college basketball at Kentucky uh, announced that he was coming back. And I, I think it was Jeff Goodman or somebody, uh, one of the national college basketball reporters said that, they expect Shibway to have an NIL deal. And he's not from the United States, so he has to do his deal a little differently. Mm -hmm. um, but they're expecting that he's going to have an NIL deal that's over uh, $2 million for next year. And I know Kofi Coburn uh, from Illinois announced he was going to go in the draft, but um, I talked to some Illinois people, and they thought that he had an offer on the table from Illinois of a $1 million to come back. Somewhere around a million. Yeah. So. I'll have zeros there. Yeah. I, I would stay in college for a million bucks. Yeah. Say, you know, Maybe I'll I need to there. get to be friends with Kofi. 
I think that could be the solution for my financial future. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a nice, uh, nice check. But there, it's 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 a new day and it's a different time, and this is how it's going to be from here on out, folks. So just kind of get used to it. You're going to see a lot of branding from from players, and that even those NIL deals with the collectives don't uh, eliminate the idea that they can go out. Uh, student athletes can go out and do their own, their own hustle too. They can, you know, like the McCaffrey's had their podcast with you guys for a while and now they're doing it with the, the taco place. Don't um, remind me of that part. Yeah. They're going to the taco place now, but they pick just a, tacos over a newspaper. Come on. Well, Hey, you know, <laughs> taco Tuesday. It's a tough world. Yeah. But yeah, that, you know, if you don't have that exclusivity, you can bring in a good chunk of dollars there and you've got the ray gun shirts. Yeah. That I think is probably especially appealing for maybe some of the in-state players who grew up enjoying ray gun shirts and then they get sure. to have their own. And I know the way that ray gun does it is just a percentage of sales. Yep. So, you know, if you sell more shirts, you make more money. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's an appealing world. And obviously yeah. there are smaller things too that are coming, like the academic reward payments. Yep. But that's kind of a drop in the bucket compared to- a couple to thousand bucks. Uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's good, good money. It is, mm-hmm. it's good money. Oh yeah. They'll put a nice payment on a car if you want to get a, a vehicle or something. And, um, you know, it's more than pizza money. You know? Yeah. But I, yeah, I think even like you go out to Shields now, and you know the Murray shirts are all over the place out there. And you know, there's that's another great example. Cakes. Yeah, and yeah. Keegan and Chris are made some bank off of that, and now Keegan will make a lot more bank uh, with his pro contract. But Chris will come back more than likely, and he's going to be able to, you know, capitalize on his name, image, likeness, and he's you know going to be a guy who's probably, you know, all big 10 ish kind of player coming back preseason. So a lot of attention. And there's value too, I think with some of the players that stay home with that, where like Clark, for example, being from the state of Iowa, from the Des Moines area. Okay. That adds to that brand appeal. Chris Murray being from Cedar Rapids, there's some brand appeal there too, for the hometown person. I'm sure Wampa will have the same thing. Yeah, so, I saw he already did a card show. Yes, I think it was him. Riley Moss, I think, was there. And I want to say maybe a couple others. So they had yeah. a pretty good showing there of Hawkeyes at that one. Yeah. But looking ahead now to Saturday, probably going to be another big recruiting day. Any particular names that kind of you have circled as to key priority visitors this weekend? for the open Um, practice not really um you know i I think they're just trying to get as many people in as they can this uh this spring i think the next big signpost in the road kind of moment for iowa for recruiting is probably um the the late june when they have their big official visit weekend that's you know when you bring in caden proctor for his official and you try to get everybody in and get guys committed. And that's, I think that's the next 
really big kind of signposts because the, the, the spring visits, it's just sort of like, yeah, we're getting in here and spending some time with you. Just try to get as many people in and out of the building as you can. Um, but that one is you're zeroing in your focus and those are your top targets that you're going to get in that, that weekend in late June. It seems like who isn't visiting during that late weekend in June might be the better question than who is at this point. Yeah. Um, that's going to be, you know, the priority, um, for right now. So yeah, it's going to be, a, it, it's going to be an interesting time to see if they can narrow down their list and get, get the, the those guys lined up for visits and, uh, get things secured and, and then maybe, you know, kind of wrap up a good portion of the class. That's kind of what they've been doing is most of their shopping has been done before they start fall camp in the last couple of years. So we'll see if that trend continues. Yeah. And this past year, it seemed to be that kind of December last second wave, but obviously the more you can get done earlier, the more advantageous that is for looking ahead. And obviously 2024 is off to a good start. Yeah, so. and that's the other thing you'll 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 be doing that. So the other thing that'll be coming up in June is also camps, and you'll see some offers come based off of camps for uh, maybe a few for 2023, 2024. Um, maybe they start even throwing some out for 2025 um, if things get wild. You know, that's that's you never great. know. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. Um, they probably have some out, and I'm just like blanking out on it, but I'm sure there's some 2025s out there. It's just, it, it's gotten younger and younger and kids are committing earlier and earlier. I can remember, and it, it doesn't seem like all that long ago, but it probably is where, you know, there were years where they didn't have any commitments at this point in, in the process. And, and now they have seven for 23 seven. and three for 24. Yeah. I remember the one year, um, and this was, I think maybe Seth Wallace his second year as kind of filling that recruiting coordinator role um, before he moved into just being position coach. And I remember they had a June, I think it was a June where they had like 13 commits. It, it felt like every day they were getting a commitment. So um, yeah, it's, you can get on there is if you talk to Tyler Barnes he'll tell you there is such thing as momentum in recruiting oh and yeah sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't so well uh, you, good players tend to recruit good players too to a place yeah so that's another key thing there so Switching gears then a little bit to spring football, we have the open practice on Saturday. Fans' yeah. first chance to see this team, yeah, at all really, since the Citrus Bowl. Our kind of second chance after getting a little bit of a sneak peek earlier in the spring with about 30 minutes that were partially taken up by special team thrills. Yeah. So, you know. And stretching. Yes. The all-important stretching. 10 so, minutes of stretching and 15 minutes of uh, special teams work. Yes, you know, the important things. And so, no, and no uh, lining up in any sort of offensive formations. No. So, you know, we could see who is first team on punt unit, but that was 
and spoiler, Tory Taylor was first team punter. I know that's shocking to everyone tuning yeah. in. Yes. So our first real good evaluation point here in the spring, it'll be interesting to me. I think the two positions I'm going to be keeping the closest eye on is to be quarterback and offensive line. Same. I, I think that's the two biggest storylines. Um, you know, cause we've heard, uh, we've all caught on to it, starting with Seth Wallace saying something about the offense being, uh, you know, presenting a different look or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly word wording of it, but it, it caught my ear right away. And then Tory Taylor's comments about the offense being in the end zone a lot and guys talking about it being simplified and different. And so I'm curious. Okay. Will it be different? Will it be exactly the same? uh, You know, the other thing is you can't really um, make any judgment on it until September. Until Mm -hmm. they play an actual game. I mean, it can, um, it can look great in spring or the open practice in the fall, but you know, what are we going to, what are we talking about here? It's just, it's still practice. So uh, we won't know for sure, but it would at least give people some hope. And yeah. I think that's kind of, you know, the, but they'll still be skeptical and that's fair to be skeptical too. Oh yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm crazy not to be at least a little skeptical of the offense considering what happened last year. Yeah. It was a struggle last year. And, and even the most ardent Iowa fan will tell you that it was a struggle. It was not pretty a lot of the time. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm offensive line quarterbacks um beyond that um you know watch the defensive line a little bit i want to see some of those guys and see how they're doing and how they're especially maybe van nets on the outside that's a thing there where it's like okay that could be a really good fit if that works out well yeah and that's kind of where he was going to come in and play and then they just kind of slid him down uh to tackle but boy i think he's got He's their next star on that defensive line. Uh, so I'm interested to see them. And I want to see um, Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce, see what they're doing. Arlen um, says that Keegan is even faster this year. So we'll see. Yeah. That's Which his, is saying is, a lot. What is, is it his yoga regimen now or something? He's doing yoga. Yeah. And- all this other stuff, Pilates or whatever. I don't After know. his abdominal injury that kept him out of the citrus bowl, that sounded very unpleasant. Yeah, it didn't sound like much fun, did it? No. No, I was thinking, oh man, I, you know, I'm glad I don't have to go through that. And, I don't have any writing injuries like that. And you know, you didn't got carpal tunnel yet from uh, no. words or anything? No. That's coming. That's coming. I do um, my fingers stretching well. <laughs> the uh, um, the other thing to watch, I think, kind of a under the radar thing is the place kicking. Oh yeah, kicker with uh, three guys uh, competing, including uh, a true freshman who joined in mm-hmm. um, uh, Drew Stevens, and we'll see if he's he, he's a confident kid. He believes he's going to come in and take the job, so um, we'll see. This will yeah. be a chance to really look at those guys. And the added bonus is it's probably going to be windy. Yes, even better. You know, so. the one benefit of this 
spring weather that I look outside and I'm thinking, why can't the sun come out eventually? That's the one benefit is, you know, get to throw a little bit of a curveball in the kicking competition. And I think we've all seen Drew Stevens kicks on Twitter that have looked very, very good. Yeah. Obviously, though, that's a selective bunch that we get to see there. So it'll be interesting to see kind of in the full flesh of things how the kicking looks because obviously Aaron Blom is somebody who came in really highly regarded. Um, yeah. Lucas Amaya, also a really well-regarded guy when you look at like the Coles kicking camp rankings. Yep. So Amaya did not grow up far from where I grew up. Your yeah. random, not very relevant fun fact of the day. And, and Iowa has just had, I brought this up the other day to somebody that Iowa has just had this tremendous run of really good kickers. Yeah. Even with, you know, the recent times with, uh, you know, Keith Duncan and Racinos and, um, and Shudak even, this past year. Yeah, even though Shudak going back to um, Marshall Kane and Mike Meyer. And I mean, I can't remember the last time they had a, a bad kicking year or a year where you're like, oh boy, I don't know how they're going to kick a field goal this year. They've just had guys that have been really solid and consistent. Um, well, the fact that you have a guy like Shudek who isn't kicking field goals until his sixth year on campus, that yeah. alone tells you a lot. Yeah, and he may have a place in the NFL. I mean, every Tuesday when we've been out there, there have been NFL scouts watching him kick. So, um, you know. That's usually a good sign. That's usually a good sign that he's going he's gonna to be in somebody's camp for mm-hmm. sure. And, um, you know, they're also, they're going to have to find, you know, Shudak also handled the kickoffs. So they'll have to find somebody for that. And that's a key spot. And, and often an overlooked spot too. I think Shudak made that look easy the last two years, but it's not so easy. And there's an art form to it. I mean, I remember talking to Miguel Racinos about that, just how they would talk to him about, Hey, we want it. We want you to bomb it up way high and drop it inside the 10 or we wanted you to just plow it through the end zone, you know, just it, it's uh, those rules have changed a little bit now with fair catches and all that stuff. So it's, it's a little different, but um, it's still, there's an art to it. And um, it's good when you have an experienced guy there and it, heck where, where else would you have, like, we had a long discussion last week with LeVar Woods about the holder. Yes. My favorite position. I knew that we had to bring up the holder. We had to bring up the holder and everybody getting excited when uh, he says Cooper DeGene has been in the mix for a holder. And the, <laughs> everybody got excited because Cooper's like a cult hero for Iowa fans. And figure that out. Just write anything about Cooper and the, the traffic goes way up. And it's going to be the same way with Xavier Wampa, I think, uh, once we get to talk to him. But and, and Cooper, I think, is especially an interesting story because Iowa recruited him and, you know, he didn't exactly have the most competition from other schools on the recruiting trail. And yeah, he's already. School. Yeah, it's dinky school that, um, you know, his story is wild. I remember talking to Tyler Barnes about his story and just how he found him. You know, one of his neighbor's friends kind of recommended him. 
and said, you should check this kid out. And then they kind of saw him and they're like, yeah, okay. He's pretty good. And <laughs> well, he just did everything for his high school team. I mean, he just, you know, his win of a state title last year was legendary or two years ago. It was legendary. A true athlete in yeah. every sense of the word. Great basketball player too. And, you know, did track and, you know, football, he, he's, you know, he's going to be a good one. Yeah. Now the issue with him at Holder is it's going to be tough if he's having to, you know, be running over from defense as, you know, doing that work in practice right over to field goal holding. That could be a little difficult logistically. Well, we but... heard that, uh, that I heard from, from somebody that Tory was probably the best one so far, the best holder so far. But that kind of seemed to be what I was thinking was me the most likely. Yeah. So, you know, having, and I believe if I'm remembering correctly, he was the number two on the 2D at Holder last year, I yeah. believe, behind yeah. Gersande, who, you know, had that art down. So, yeah. Before him, that was Colton Rastetter was the, the guy at that position. So, anyway, we've done enough Holder talk. Yes. So, a couple other guys besides Wampa, I'm excited to see TJ Hall. I've heard some really good things about him and his potential. Young, young guy, true freshman. Enrolled everyone in seems to be really high on him. Yeah, he's, um, you know, there, there's some Desmond King whispers about him. So we'll, we'll see. Phil will probably yell at me for mentioning that if he listens <laughs> to this. Uh, because he'll, he'll find me on Saturday and yell at me, him or Seth, one of the two. Uh, <laughs> don't put that on him. <laughs> you know, but heard he's really good. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And then I think maybe one of the most interesting people to see is going to be Logan Jones. So it sounds like sure. he's taking some first team snaps at center after last year playing defense. That's a pretty quick move over to positions. And you know, as I was saying to George Barnett at today's press conference, he had somebody who was fairly good at that last time yeah. or at center this year that, you know, made that same switch from defense to offense. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And um, it's going to be fascinating to see how that center position plays out uh, and to see how that offensive line comes together. Um, yeah he seemed pretty positive about how things were going and felt pretty good about uh, where things were, were moving, but boy, that's just, uh, I thought it was interesting that now Colby's getting a little bit of a look outside. Um, yeah. I thought was, would have happened already. And then it, when we talked to him, it hadn't, but now they're kind of kicking him out to tackle a little bit, see what that looks like. They're always the best five though. So best five will start. And, uh, it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see what that first five looks like. Uh, but it sounds like that center position, it's like a revolving door. One day it might be Ellsbury, one day it might be Fagan, the other day it might be Logan Jones being the first team guy. So, um, and that's all with Mislinski out. Right and that's Mislinski is still out until June. So he'll get back in that race in August. Um, and can he? You know, or in June, I should say, when he comes back, when he's cleared. Uh, and But he'll be full in in August competing for that starting job. So could he, you know, 
come from behind and get that job. And, um, you know, does that mean Ellsbury gets a look at guard? I don't know. You know? Yeah. Because obviously you want to find a spot for him at some Maybe. point. And then or at Logan guard. Jones. Or Logan Jones or, you know, Bo Stevens got mentioned today. Um, I know they're pretty high on him. David Koff, we haven't even talked about him yet. I mean, there's, there's some possibilities. Um, boy, he was you raving still about have, like, Justin he was Britt raving about me. Yeah, he was raving about yeah Justin Britt too has been dinged up, but um, he was raving about Mason Richmond today. Yeah, that was like really high on him, and I think maybe Mason got a bit of a bad rap last year because he's kind of thrown into a tough position. Sure. Yeah, and I love the maybe my favorite part was Barnett's thing about if you're a fan of a microwave. Um, you shouldn't be an offensive line coach. Yes. And awesome. you have to be more of a convention, yeah, conventional oven kind of guy. Yeah. So yeah. I knew that was my lead for today's article as we were <laughs> this on Wednesday. I knew it. I was like, okay, that's it. But I think, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, Mason sure. Richmond, as weird as this says to use this analogy in the in a sentence form, but he's been in that oven now for another year. So, um, you know, it seems like I'm talking about like a Panera as opposed to big 10 offensive line. It it takes time to develop. And um, I I know we all want kind of instant gratification with this stuff, but it's just, that's not how this works. And um, I'd say relatively young group, an inexperienced group. So, um, you know, if you look at it right now, the returning guys, you know, um, Jack Plum might have the most snaps, but Connor Colby might be the other one. And he's a true sophomore. Yeah. Because he started 11 games. Yeah. I don't think, let's see, maybe Richmond might, uh, but he he's hurt. He missed time. So yeah, I don't think time. so. Yeah, yeah. I think Connor Colby might be, Somebody will point second, this out to me. Second, second most career snaps on the offensive line might be Connor Colby, who's a true sophomore. That's, no, you don't hear that every day. No. So, I mean, on one hand, that's concerning. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, boy. You know, so you got a lot of guys who are – you don't, you're not married to guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? To, to a starting group. And theoretically, you have them around long-term. Sure. Where – Theoretically, you get a couple more years of people like Colby or like Richmond. Obviously, you don't want to put that in Sharpie because look at what happened with Cody Inns. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, or you could have the opposite of look at what happened when Linderbaum proved himself clearly as the top center in college football. You know, he can make some good money now the NFL. So you aren't necessarily going to keep everybody forever, but I think people wouldn't mind if the problem is they have too many offensive linemen being good enough to go to the NFL early. Yeah. I don't, no one will complain about that. So I think, yeah, be, I think they'll be okay. So, and fingers crossed for good weather. I should, let's see, I'm throwing my meteorology hat on here. So, Oh, it looks like, maybe a high of 71 right now, unless my current location thing is off. Let's see. 
No, 77. It's going to be the high on Saturday, it looks like. So could maybe get some nice weather. Yeah. So yeah. I'm looking forward to assuming that everything doesn't blow around too much with the wind, getting to enjoy some outdoor football watching. So, yeah. It'll... Yeah, that'll be nice if it, you know, we haven't had uh, many of those, uh, you know, 70 degree days this spring no. have we no like you know i was running into the football facility today because i didn't think to bring a rain jacket so yeah i could i wouldn't mind that so and obviously getting some good football will be nice you know having some new material to look at since the citrus bowl the citrus bowl was a long time ago yeah yeah, so it's this is a good weekend, and and then we kind of go back into you know we re- we evaluate everything, and then we'll uh, go go into hibernation a little bit, I guess you know until July when we yeah and media day will be well we'll have probably a couple of media things during the during the summer or spring summer months and um, you know touch base with Kirk and everything, but other than that we'll. Then the next big moment will be uh, Big Ten Media Days. In and that's not till July. Hopefully back in Chicago. Fingers crossed on that. Not, nothing against Indy, but um, you know, Chicago is Chicago. Yeah, a little bit of a shorter drive, you know. Yeah. So, But, you know, I enjoyed Indy for – I was there for the Combine and then the Big Ten Women's Tournament. And, you know, it was a wonderful city. So my hotel room looked overlooked Lucas Oil Stadium. So, you know, got some good restaurants in. Also got Giordano's in. So there may be a split vote among the audience of whether that should be in the good restaurant category or not. But, (laughs) you know. There you go. There you go. Well, Tom, thanks again for joining me. John, thank you for having me on. I always enjoy conversing with you, and I'll see you uh, Saturday. Yes, pleasure is all mine. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Hawk Off the Press. I'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.